Good morning, good afternoon, good night. It's Xavi. If you know me, I'm happy you're here. If you don't, I converted a moving truck into a tiny home amidst the pandemic, gave up my place, and hit the road. Starting in Vancouver, I drove to Miami and realized that there was too much adventure not to share. So to fill you in on my journey, the Play On Foundation presents the Two Degrees Podcast. Why two degrees? Because I'm now a snowbird and escaping two degree weather. I built the truck wrong and the majority of the weight is on the passenger side, so we're tilted at two degrees. But also, I'm going to catch up with industry professionals who I'm glad to call friends and bring you two degrees of separation away from them and what they do. So, welcome to the Two Degrees Podcast, brought to you by the Playon Foundation for Neurological Research and Brain Aneurysm Detection and Prevention. To learn more about the Playon Foundation, check out www.letsplayon.org. But for now, enjoy the show. But first, a quick word. Do you like mangoes? <laughs> of course you do. And if you don't, well, I'm sure there's a high chance you might know someone who does. Well, the Two Degrees Podcast is sponsored by Peeled Fruit. No, not just random fruit that's been peeled, but the children's book about a mother's love language of peeling mango for her baby. Available for delivery on bookbaby.com, bookshop.org, Barnes & Noble, Powell's, and Amazon, just to name a few of the retailers. It even ships worldwide. Check out at Peeled Fruit Book on Instagram for more information on how to get your copy of this heartwarming story. Peeled Fruit, illustrated by Rhoda Domingo. Really? That's dark as fuck. No. Oh, I mean, not too dark for you? No, that's good. That's perfect. Okay. It's like mood lighting. <laughs> it's fine. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> let's have some fun. Talk to me. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Two Degrees Podcast, brought to you by the Play On Foundation. And today I have a wonderful guest, and she is she has four Grammys. She has um, she has two Tonys because she branched out into that world, and yeah. mm-hmm. she is currently on her way to owning part of Amazon and Spotify. Yes. So uh, yes. <laughs> But, See, no, uh, from, from your mouth to God's ears. That's what that is. Boom. That's 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 life right there. But Savannah Ray, Toronto's very own, and I say that because there was like an article that came out where it says that you're I'm gonna mess it up, but like you're you're rebranding the face of Toronto music or something like that. And yeah, they say they be saying wild stuff. They yeah. Say, they, but What's your opinion on that? Where, what is, what is the state or what does Toronto music look like? Yeah, I mean, you know what? I think we're at a point where things are kind of changing. Um, You know, it feels like Toronto is kind of like catching up with the rest of the world, if you will. You know, like we've always had the talent, but we never really had like the straight avenue for the rest of the world to see us. So I think that's happening. And of course, it's thanks to the amazing, I mean, all the biggest artists in the world are Canadian or from Toronto. You know, Justin Bieber, Weekend, Drake. Um, Who's that last All these people are helping. Uh, Drake? No. No, never heard of him, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> no, I mean, he's an actor too, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but oh, yeah, oh. like Aubrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Aubrey yeah, yeah. Degrassi. Yeah. Yes. But it's like us, you know, it's like, for me, it's specifically like a lot of the time when when I've been asked questions wow. and and stuff about I, this is what just happened there. My so light is coming in through the skylight and it's like it's ah. it just started blinding. Yes. <laughs> what the? Sorry about that. out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Lighting is really hating on us today. <laughs> that can't be comfortable. That's the, it'll do for a minute. And then when the sun okay. sets a bit, it'll, it'll, yeah, it'll play out. But, um, okay. Yeah. No. So we, we Drake. Yes. I have heard. Of yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Of course. But, he's, um, yeah, like a lot of people uh, ask Rihanna's, me. um, baby father, right? That's, that's right. Oh my God. You know what? We're not about to do this, but <laughs> listen, listen, speaking of baby Rhea, I'm so excited for that, but but yeah, I mean, like for me personally, you know, when it, when we come to R&B, we talk about R&B in the Toronto space, like it's it's pretty much male dominated as far as like who actually gets to get out and who you know of that does the music. Yeah. Um, and then outside of it being male dominated, it's not that, you know, there hasn't been someone that looks like me, in my opinion, who's gotten their flowers before, like a black woman in this space. So, you know, I wouldn't say I'm rebranding it, but I'm definitely coming out swinging. Yeah. Um, R&B. What is mm-hmm. R&B now? Because there's so many genres that encompass R&B, and I find a lot of new music that's coming out, especially I'd say in the style of the weekend. It's like it's more of a neo soul, even. Right. Is that still R&B, or how has that changed? You know what? I feel like it's it's broad, right? Like some people, depending who you talk to, it's 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 really just opinion based. Depending who you talk to, people will just say the weekend is straight up not R and B. You know, people will say like I I think that you know journals, for example, the album by Justin Bieber, that's R and B to me. But some people will always call Justin Bieber pop. Like it's it's really subjective. Um, for me, I consider R and B rhythm and blues. So whatever that means to you, which is the actual definition, as long as your music has something to do with soul and there's rhythm in it and you sang it, to me, that's R&B. That's R&B. I think Mm -hmm. when we start um, trying to like gatekeep genres, like tell people what they can sing and how they sing it, that's when we start to get into, you know, all the music sounding the same. I'd Mm -hmm. rather have that variety. You know what I mean? So for me, I don't know. It's it's really broad because even the music I make, some well, of the now, songs are straight up R&B. But... With, with that, how do you then categorize it in award shows? Because all jokes aside, you are an award-winning artist. So then right. do you go in with the intent of, oh, this is going to win best R&B or do you just kind of go with it? Oh yeah, I don't. I don't know if you swear on this podcast. So I'm gonna say I don't. I don't give a about awards. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's it's no amazing to get to them. There's. I don't. I okay. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Honestly, like I, it's amazing. I'm. I'm grateful um, for the the awards we've been nominated for and the awards that we've received. Mm-hmm. But I go into it just making whatever it is is on my mind and on my heart and whatever is authentic to me. So at the end of the day, whatever people choose to categorize it as, go ahead. Mm-hmm. But I have to make what's true to me 
as a writer and as an artist. Gotcha. Fair. What's your opinion now on artists like Drake and The Weeknd kind of boycotting awards? Yeah. Um, honestly, I think it's great. I think it's great because a lot of people, you know, including myself, when you're a kid and you want to come into this industry, you're like, oh, yeah, Grammys. Oh, yeah, all these things. And they're amazing institutions. And, you know, it would still be a blessing. That's still on my bucket list. But when we're talking about artists that are at the level and caliber of these, you know, The weekend, Drake and so on and so forth, by them taking, you know, taking the value, I don't say the value, but kind of like that is what decides if you're a great artist or not. Them taking that out of the equation and still being two of the biggest artists in the entire world, it, it to smaller artists or to people that are coming up, it means to me at least, just focus on the artistry, just focus on being the best thing you could be. You don't need an institution to tell you if you're great or not. Yeah. So I, I love it. I love it. I, I ain't going to be boycotting shit. <laughs> but um, I, I feel that for them, I get, I like, I like that they're starting to lead the way as far as like, we don't need accolades. We don't need, you know, these places telling us that, that, that we're great. It's, it's becomes back up to us, back to the supporters, back to the fans. Well, that's it. Yeah. Fair. Um, and you're coming up with music. I feel like you're the generation that kind of, got to take advantage of the new new ways to get your music out there um specifically streaming services and things like that Mm -hmm. advantage or disadvantage what's the pros and cons what's happening to the way music is being released oh boy yeah i mean that's a great question i feel like it's a pro for like getting going directly from making the music to getting it to the people that's a pro Mm -hmm. You know, back in the day before us, before our generation, it was literally it had to go through. You had to be signed to a label. It had to go through 10, 15 hands. It had to go through a studio. It had to go through whatever. Now I can literally sit here, record a song, press upload, Hmm. whether it's SoundCloud, Apple, whatever. So that part is great. Actually getting your music to consumers. However... You know, back in the day, even though it had to go through those 10 people to listen to it one time, you had to pay a dollar to have that song, to purchase that song, one full dollar. And while that may sound small to other people, streaming services pay a percentage of a penny. We're talking about a dollar per song to a percentage of a penny per listen. So it's kind of like it's, man, it's it's really a toss up because we would not have as many dope artists and people that we love, especially those niche artists, if it weren't for these streaming services, but also now to be an artist takes a lot more than having, you know, even a hit record because a hundred million streams, I think is like a million dollars. Yeah. A hundred million, 100 million. Yeah. Is it might, and it might be less. I might be even quoting too high. I think, if you're in the top percentile of like where you get p- paid closer to a penny, it's a million dollars. So it's like, but who, who's getting a hundred million streams as an emerging artist? Yeah. You know, before you could be like, Oh, a million streams. That's a huge accolade, which I still think it is. But for a million streams, you're only getting paid about $4,000. Wow. 
with the cost of rent, with with the cost of a, of a more of a car payment, you, yeah. you know. So it's it's really a toss up, and I hope that because streaming services are new, we can start to figure out ways for for things to be equal, like for the creator to be able to eat while these services can still afford to to house our music. Because right now it's not equal. <laughs> it is not equal. Can you? breakdown or do you know what the breakdown is of what happened to that whole dollar per play you know what it's honestly it's kind of shrouded in like we don't know Hmm. because i mean no one's really required to give you that information i know that there's like different like lawsuits and stuff going on that i'm not going to speak on because i don't know the details but you know what what I'm assuming is it's actually doing the distribution. Obviously, there are tons of people that work at these these distribute these distribution services, but you know, there's also like CEOs and stuff making millions of dollars. Yeah. And when you think about it, the CEOs don't make the music. It's the creators that are making the music, and we the ones struggling month mm-hmm. to month here. You know, as a new think think about it, a million streams. And $4,000 and a million streams for a new artist is going to take you months to do. So that's not even really sustaining, you know, you. And then that that's why, you know, a lot of people hate on influencer culture and all that stuff. But a lot of us have to do that to eat, mm. you know? So, oop, freezing, okay. Now, with that, like influencer culture then, do you feel that there is a middle ground? Because from my industry, um, acting, there's uh-huh. a very fine divide of working actors don't want influencers on these big projects. Yes. Right? What's it like with um, music? Um, I think it's the same thing. It's a fine line, but it's also like, I think it's going to start to be more respected, like as a job, because even for me as an artist, you know, it's our industries are like hand in hand and it's like influencing is annoying in the way that like, I I'll only for me personally, as an influencer, I'm an artist. It's all encompassing. It's like, I'll only influence something that I actually use or I actually do. Hmm. Right. Cause that's a part of my brand. It's being authentic. But it's like, it actually requires a lot of damn work. Like people look at YouTubers like, oh, what is that? Yo, they're like editing all day. They're shooting out. You got to figure out content. You got to figure out, um, what is it? CEO, they call it SEO, optimizing your your hashtag. Like they're like, they be doing their thing. So I don't know. I think it is a really fine line because you don't like, especially if you're as an actor and as an artist, like they call you a new artist or a new actor and you've really been in the game 10 years. So it's like a fine line with not disrespecting, you know, the talent that's been working at this. And then you have a little influencer from TikTok that's been making videos for two months and they're on the same thing. So I don't agree with that. But, you know, I think it's it's a new world. It's a new world. Like things are blended. Everybody has, you know, 17 jobs because we all just trying to eat, you know. With that, like, what's been what's been your resume in terms of other jobs aside from your artistry? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm a songwriter too, so you know, um, I am an artist, but I'm also signed to Sony as a songwriter. But and I mean, I for mean, me, like before 
you're able to pay the bills with your artistry? Like, what yeah. other jobs did you have to keep? Oh gosh. <laughs> oh, you mean before? Yeah. Oh boy, yeah. I well, we're going back. for those people that don't know. Savannah Ray <laughs> was this big head girl, <laughs> and she came to my high school with so much yeah. life and so much voice. But her head was so <laughs> happy that she grew. Yeah, still big now. And uh, <laughs> no, but like we we go back and, and way back. Yeah, like so. I'm I'm so thrilled to to see how far you've come for sure. But I'm talking about those times. Like what yeah. what were you doing yeah. then so you could pursue music? Oh man, everything. I did every job. Like um, I was in retail. Um, I used to work at, I'm sure everybody knows that American Apparel. I was there for a long time. I worked at a hotel, hmm. doing front desk. I worked at the bank. Um, I bartended on the side. Like I've been hustling a long yeah. time. And like, especially when I was like working retail, I used to like when the store was dead, I'd print out like receipt paper and write songs on receipt paper and fold them up. Cause you could, you know, when you're on the floor, you can't have your phone. So hmm. I was just like, and like when an idea would come and I'd be like thinking about ideas, man, like those, those were the days, man. Yeah. Do you still have like any of those, those receipt paper lyrics lying around? No, you know what? Sometimes it's like if a manager was coming up, I'd have to like crumple it and like put it away. But a lot of the time what I did was like on my break, you know what I'm saying? Like fold yeah. it up. But on my break, I would just take what was on there and actually put it in my phone. Mm. um so yeah. a lot of songs a lot of my songs started that way like those little lines that I wrote out I put them in my phone and you know I wish off top I can't remember if I used anything for like my first project but yeah you know I definitely still have those lyrics to me Fair. it was like these are these jobs are a means to an end but you yeah. you have to pay for shit to be done one thing I didn't yeah. want is any hands handouts no favors I was like if I believe if you believe in yourself you have to invest in yourself at the end of the day yeah. Did you ever get fired from any of those jobs or did you have to choose like your artistry over any of those jobs at one point? Yes. Yeah. So call them out. I actually, call them out. <laughs> I know. Right. Um, no, I had to quit. Uh, the last job I had before things kind of started to move, uh, I was at, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but it was a hotel, a very mm -hmm. popular hotel chain. Does it I was in um, Aridin? No, it rhymes with built-in gotcha i like the built-in and how you i like the built-in too <laughs> it's a good hotel so well, i was um i was in rece reception there and it's a great job too um and i got a call from boy wonder and he was like listen i have this artist coming in um for like a week and i would love to get you guys in and just have you guys vibing so it was like a whole week like a Monday to Friday. And the artist also happened to be Snow Allegra. Mm. So I was like, girl, cause you know, mm. when you're working, the schedule comes out sometimes up to a month in advance. Yeah. So I could get, I could get some, some of the other uh, girls to cover like a couple of days, but then what happens? I'm going to say, Oh, I'm going to tell boy Wanda, Oh, I have work. So I can't come to the studio. Mm. Like for me, that was like the, okay, that was my, are you going to give up, you know, what could spark your career for your job moment? My like, cause that job was great. I had benefits. I had all these things, but it was like, yo, this is not what you want to do with your life. So I literally quit. 
I quit. I was like, in that moment, I talked to my mom. Um, I talked to Yogi, my man. I was like, yo, what do I do? And they were like, yo, we can't make this decision for you, but you have to go with your gut. And I did. And that was late 2017. And I haven't looked back. I've been doing this ever since. So yeah. how does that feel? But I, Oh, man. Which which part? The job or that I'm still doing it? That you're still doing it. <laughs> it feels great. It feels yeah. great. I, I feel like, you know what? Um, I would have days where I was like, yo, when is this going to happen? Like, when is this going to happen? You know, while I'm working and being like so sad and depressed and broke and all this stuff, but I still kept going. Mm. And, you know, I remember there's a time I'd literally be going from work and I take the bus three hours to the West End to literally go, go to the studio. And because it was so far, I'd end up sleeping over there in the same work clothes, same work clothes, sleeping on the floor in this studio to make sure that I got work done. And those moments and what I'm doing now, those moments, I would never want to change because it creates a certain uh, humility, um, a, a certain hunger. Like I don't ever, I don't ever want to go back to that. And you know what? I don't need to go back to that because now we're carrying forward everything that we learned in that space. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, it's, it's crazy. It's still crazy to me, like for for it to be really that I put out one project and to already, you know, have a Juno and to have been nominated for like that wasn't the goal. Like I was telling you, the goal was just to make what's in my heart and and continue to be myself. So it's just it's been great for it to be well received, honestly. Nice, nice. Do you feel like you're an adult? No. <laughs> no never you know it's so weird when you're like younger I was just talking to Yogi about this it's so funny you said that when you're younger and you're like yeah like you see people that are like 25 and you're like oh my god like they're so old you know what I mean like oh like or your teachers even and now it's like now that we're in that age bracket I'm like I feel exactly the same as I mm. felt when I was 16 like as far as who I am, personality, still having fun, still having to joke, still having to laugh. Like that hasn't changed. Yeah. The only thing that's changed is bills, you know, bills and, and responsibilities. But I just remember thinking like in high school, all of us are in such a rush to be adults, like to be grown up. And I was thinking, bruh, like if I had the chance I, I would go back. What you talking about? You don't yeah. have to do nothing. The, the, biggest, <laughs> yeah. what? the biggest problem was like heartbreak at high school. You know, like you have no, like I would just encourage like even my nieces and nephews, I'm gonna be like, stop trying to grow up so fast. I remember my mom used to say it like, just enjoy these years. And in my head, I was like, no, I wanna be grown. Yeah. Bruh. Yeah, those, those, those were the good times. Like, for our parents to say that they grew up a particular way where they had to be independent, if you will, um, at a certain mm-hmm. age. But with us, especially being, you know, the product of an environment that's kind of led us towards arts, especially. Yes. What do you think is the trick then to tell kids to just relax and enjoy it? Because... <laughs> I was the same way. All my friends were the same way. When people told them, like, yeah. don't rush growing up, everybody was like, no, fuck this. I want to be a grown up. I want to exactly. be an adult. Right. So it's like, what do you what do you think? What's your opinion on on telling kids or convincing kids, hey, you got it good? 
Yo, I have no idea, man. Like Yogi and I, we talk about it constantly because obviously, you know, God willing, the next step is is having some kids eventually. And it's like, I feel like thinking about parenting and stuff, it sounds like it would be easy, but not until you're in a situation would we have any idea what yeah. to tell, you know, a kid. But I kind of feel like it's like literally showing them. Like, look, you don't need to rush to this. Mm-hmm. You know, like even when when it came time to start paying rent, I was like, you have to do this every month. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you just think that shit keep like as a, you don't really know all the stuff that you have to do. Like the most responsibility I was given until like probably the end of high school was like my own phone bill. Yeah. So you have no idea all of the other stuff. So I think if they get to see the not so nice, not just the oh independence, oh, I can go at whatever time I want then it'll be more so like, let me take my time, you know? Mm -hmm. Cause I had no, I I knew, you know, but not really. Like when I seen rent, I was like, so it's gotta be over a thousand dollars, like every month. (laughs) And like, you you can't just be like, not this month. Like it shit got real, real fast. So I think if we give them that, then maybe like, that's my Mm -hmm. plan. My plan is to be like, look, yeah, it's not just the fun stuff what's your opinion now and I'll, I'll ask you after the kids but your opinion now, <laughs> while you don't have them what would you yeah. do if if your kid came up to you and said I want to be a singer like you mm-hmm. what do you do what do you say I would say listen if that's what you want you got to put the work in mm. that's all there's never going to be no handouts for me you know, just because your dad's a producer, your mom's a singer, don't mean that's going to be easy petting. I feel like that's the problem with a lot of these, like, I'm technically a new artist to the world, but I'm not a new artist in general. Like, I had to fight. Like, I had to come in swinging for anything, for studio time, for for anything. You know, even just being from Toronto before it's cool, you have to fight to be in these environments. So I'm... If anything my child wants to do, anything arts related, whether it's school, what, whatever you want to do, I'm going to be supportive, but I'm always going to be very realistic because this is a dog eat dog world. You yeah. feel me? It's a dog eat dog world. So you yeah. giving, giving, I feel like almost giving the, what do they call it? The silver, silver spoon, spoon, the platter or whatever yeah. that analogy Um Spoon feeding your kids is not to their advantage, it's to yours. Because then they're going to get in the real world and people are going to be like, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I'm worried about you, you know? So, yeah, I think I, I, the difference between our parents, I feel like my mom was very supportive, but to an extent, because they come from somewhere different. Yeah. If you're not a doctor, a lawyer, uh, engineer, like, yeah. no, you know? But, you know, once she realized it was something that I'm like, okay, I'm serious and I'm sticking to it. It's like, then she was all in. She was all in on supporting and and letting me go do what it is that I needed to do. So, I I mean, I'm going to be, I think the only difference is I'll be supportive from day one, whatever you want to do, but you won't have to put the work in. Um, I asked that because like, from an actor perspective, the biggest thing that Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want my child to face and i spoke to other actors too and they they echo the sentiment and they they have kids as well and they it's it's the rejection um mm. the rejection that an actor faces is 
beyond like I I I couldn't even tell you. So, but yeah. within the the world of music, I feel like there's more avenues as well. But what's mm. the rejection like when it comes to being in the music industry? It, it it's a lot and it sucks. You get way more no's than yeses. Mm. Um but what I tell myself, like it still sucks, but what I tell myself is it's it's the yeses that matter. It's not the no's that matter, you know, but th there's so much. You can go into a label and they can hate it. They can be like, I hate this music. Do you stop? No. You know, even with me at the level I'm at, like I'm to me, I'm still emerging, but I could ask certain people for features and they literally go, no. <laughs> and it's like, okay, next. You know what I'm saying? And then the next person, the next the eighth person might say yes. And that's what matters, mm. you know? So no, it's, it's the rejection is, and also people are just crazy. Like people say crazy things to you. Like yeah. even me at the level that I'm at, just as soon as you have that little verified tick and, and you know, you do something that's public facing your public figure, people feel like they could just say, say shit in your comments <laughs> and DM you negative stuff. No doubt. Like even for me, I'm like, yo, like, do you guys think, I don't know if people think that you don't read them. I'm like, I got a couple hundred comments. I'm seeing all of these comments. Like, yeah. they feel like because you're a public figure, you are impenetrable. Like you're not, you don't, you don't face these things. And we see it a lot with the, the mental health and actors, the mental health and singers, the mental health and a lot of these public fa uh, um, facing figures, they struggle. They struggle sometimes. You know, but yeah, as far as rejection, it's everywhere. If you can't handle it, if you can't build that that skin, you can't be in these industries. You just, mm -hmm. you literally can't. And that's the thing where it's just like, to build that skin, you need to callous yourself. <laughs> it's not just like, you know, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to buff up so I can prepare for this. No, you got to fall. You got to scrape yourself and you got to yep get back up and I think that's the part that I'm, I'm scared of if if my child were to say hey I want to be an actor <laughs> like, uh, hey here's here's a nice book you can read this book for now just <laughs> yeah no I love that what you said callous yourself that's a fact and if the callous got to come from us as the parents that that might be what it's got to be like yeah. you come show me you want to be a singer come sing for me that's not good here's how you improve mm. because if we don't tell them, they go go into the world and come back heartbroken. Yeah. Like if there's one thing about my mom, she don't play. I could play her a song right now. I swear to God, she'll hear me making the music and she'll be like, that doesn't sound good. And I listen. No, because yeah. she, you have to understand, like they're not even musicians. So she's just going to go off of what she's hearing. She'll be like, Sammy, that don't sound good. Yeah. I, I don't like it. And I'll be offended. But usually... Nine times out of 10, I'm going to scrap that song. And then she'll also come downstairs sometimes and be like, wow, that's beautiful. I love that. And it's usually more so that, but I also know she'll literally straight up be like, I don't like that. Hmm. Who do you trust more than your parents? If you're not going to be honest, if you're not going to be real with me, it's like, how can you be real with anybody else or take anybody else's critique? Yeah. Have you gotten experimental with your music? So like to a point where your mom would be like, I don't like that, but you have another direction for it where you're like, eh, I'm, I'm going to keep it. Um, I've, I think I've kind of always been a little bit experimental with my music, which is why it's like, 
you know, you could have a song like Solid, but then you could also have a song like, I don't know, DVP or Love Me Back or like these songs that are like completely different than that like traditional R&B of Solid. So I think she's always known because, you know, back in the day, I used to like produce my own music and stuff too and use like weird sounds and all that stuff. So I think she knows. It's not usually like, because I'm doing something different that'll throw her. Mm. She'll literally just be like, mm, you like you don't sound good on that. So gotcha. she's she's open to me being experimental, of course, because she knows that's just what I'm gonna do. But no, she's she's always down. She doesn't like when I swear, obviously, even though I'm a grown ass woman. <laughs> I'm a grown ass woman. Um, which one? I have a song called Sacred. And at first she only heard the one with the swearing because there's also like the radio version. And she was like, what? You say fuck? Was that? And I was like, mom, okay. You know, I love you and I get it, but I'm grown. Okay. But she, but it's like, she loves that song. She loves the song. She doesn't like the F-bomb, but she loves, loves the song. So she's, she's really like open when it comes to that stuff. You just, you just brought up an interesting, um, phrase the radio edit now yeah. with streaming services what is still the importance of getting played on the radio oh man oh man it's harder um to get played on the radio but radio is where the money is at bro mm-hmm. radio now is one of the only traditional resources that's still paying like like for example i'll, I'll be candid because that's just what it is i already said a stream right is like yeah. a percentage of a penny on major radio, you're still getting like between ten to ten to twenty dollars a play. Oh wow! A play, like if yeah. you're on like the big like like CBC network, um, whatever the case may be. I remember one of my first songs got played three times on CBC, and I literally got like seventy dollars, bro. Damn! I was like, "What am I getting seventy dollars for?" Like. <laughs> Because what we just said, a million streams is four thousand yeah. dollars. For like, I think it was three, three, four streams. I got seventy dollars, bro. So imagine with these big artists that have their songs where every time you hear the radio, yeah. it plays. That is bank. Mm. Touring and radio are pretty much like the only ways that an artist actually makes like money, money. Yeah. And we'll be right back after this short message. But in the meantime, don't forget to connect with us on our Instagram, at PlayOn2013, and tell us what you think about the show. Do you like mangoes? (laughs) Of course you do. And if you don't, well, I'm sure there's a high chance you might know someone who does. Well, the Two Degrees Podcast is sponsored by Peeled Fruit. No, not just random fruit that's been peeled, but the children's book about a mother's love language of peeling mango for her baby. Available for delivery on bookbaby.com, bookshop.org, Barnes & Noble, Powell's, and Amazon, just to name a few of the retailers. It even ships worldwide. Check out at Peeled Fruit Book on Instagram for more information on how to get your copy of this heartwarming story. Peeled Fruit. Illustrated by Rhoda Domingo. Now, back to the show. Now, is the culture still around where you can hand 
your music directly to a disc jockey at a radio station and if they like you they'll play it or are there so many more hoops that you need to go through i think so i think so i think that people sleep on that type of stuff you know, and and for me, like, look at people like Tory Lanez. Like, Tory used to hand out his mixtapes in front of all the malls. I know you probably remember that, too. It's like, people sleep on that stuff, flyers, um, you know. But I, I feel like from what I've heard from the DJs that I've spoken to, they still love that shit. Look at, look at Boot Up by LMA. That went up because DJs started playing that at the, the outside jams you know, I think it was New York. They started playing yeah. it at like the, the barbecues or whatever. And then people started requesting yeah. it. No, but and like, then, I know, I you know, know the rate that where it's like you can get yeah. music out to those like DJs and stuff like that. But for yes. radio, I'm still yeah, because like, I'll, I'll watch like old um, or period pieces from back in the 80s and 90s. And then you'll have like mm-hmm. the artists like at the radio station and be like, yeah. play this, play this. Like, does that yeah. still happen? I think it's a bit more rare now. I think just because even to get to, into these radio stations, you can't just walk in how you used to be able to. Yeah. You know, things are different in that, right? But I do still think, yeah, like if that, that's why I mentioned the boot up thing, because even if you give it to that DJ, that DJ is going to give it to another DJ. And mm. then once people start requesting it, the radio has to pick it up. Hmm. So that's still another avenue. But also, yeah, if you saw a, a DJ that works at a radio station on the road and you handed them your shit, a lot of times, nine out of 10 times, they're going to play it. And then if they like it, yeah, I still think there are traditional people like that are working in these radio stations that'll be like, I want to I want to play this. And then if that happens, if a DJ plays it on their own accord, do you also get paid from that? Um, I think if they play it like one time, no. Okay. Um, it's mostly if you get added to the rotation. Gotcha. Like if gotcha. you get put in where you're you're getting paid played more than once. Yeah. Then you're gonna start to get paid. If yeah. it only plays one time and then no one asks for it again, you know, yeah. then yeah, that's yeah. probably it. <laughs> that's yeah. probably it. That was you know the DJ giving you a chance and whatever not, which is still amazing. You could still yeah. you know we say hey I got played on the radio. But it's once you actually get added into like a a rotation that you get like money, money. Gotcha. All right, Miss Savannah, I want to go back. I want to go all the way back. Oh, boy. Back in high school, like you were the singer. (laughs) you, You came and you just, people knew you were the singer. Where did that come from? And did you know back in high school that music was what you wanted to get into yes um now you know like i'm just an artistic person in general so it wasn't at first it wasn't oh i'm gonna be a singer it was just i always knew i'm gonna be in the arts you know i was a visual artist first and then if you can remember i was a dancer before people knew i was a singer my so favorite memory of you for some reason that oh still sticks out in my head oh is you tap dancing in the hallways did i tap <laughs> when when you were just waiting when you're bored like you just start tapping yeah. and i'd be like what <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> especially because it's pulp and it's like you know i yeah. feel like that's one of the dance skills for like you know what that's for that's for an art school if you know tap dance you should yeah. be at pope you should be at an art school 
but you're at Pope. And yeah, you're yeah. Tapping, and I was like, this store is weird, but yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> I think that's that's exact. I have to like get that tattoo. This girl's weird, but I'm into it. I think that's what happened at Pope, because I I I came from an art school, right? So that's what was normal for me. Like art schools literally look like High School Musical. Yeah, minus the singing. Literally, you're walking down a hallway, someone's doing a spin, someone else is banging on uh, some books to rap. Like, that's what I was used to. So, yeah. coming into that environment, I'm like, I'm not about to change, even though everybody's like, what is up? What's going on with yeah. Shorty? But, you know, yeah, like that's that's what it was for me because they encouraged us to um, explore all avenues of whatever you like in art. I ended up with shit like tap. I, I don't know where that gets you, but I liked it to tap too. So it was like, yeah, I don't know. Um, for me, I ended on singing. And I think it was kind of like, because I love doing all these other things, I loved, I would say like art, visual art would kind of like scratch um, my sensory. So like what I see, as far as like, you know, an itch you need to scratch, it was sensory. Dance was my body and sort of like that need to express yourself. You know, why people get mad, they wanna hit, or they wanna, uh, you know, throw something or break something. That dance expression was my body. And then with those two things, it was like, okay, I feel great. But then when I started to sing, that was totally different activity. Like it, it um, it's like it closed the circle for me. It was like, oh, wait a minute. So I can move my body. I can still be visual in that, you know, you still need music videos. Mm -hmm. You still need, um, you know, a brand around yourself. And then I can also touch people in that way, like with my voice. Um, and I was like, all right, yeah, it, this is it. This is the one that sort of fulfills all of those, those mm -hmm. places. And I was like, well, this is what I'm gonna do. And you know, the thing about it is when you look at it, like you really can use all of those things. Like I haven't yet, like a lot of people who don't know me from the past, they don't even know I dance. They don't know I'm an artist yet. It takes a t it takes time to kind of like transition into those things. But music is like that all that you could do whatever you want. Like you could do whatever you want. I can dance. I cannot dance. I can direct my videos. I can do weird stuff like the weekends music videos. They're like, what the hell is going on here? But you can do whatever you want. It's the most free sort of career I feel like I could stumble on where I could just be me. Yeah. Now with the visual arts and you talk about directing music videos and stuff like that, and it, within music videos as well, you're also acting, right? Yep. Is mm -hmm. that like something that you want to explore or are you just so enwrapped with music at the moment that that's too far to think of? Well, actually, over COVID, I did some auditions. Um, you know, one thing with the yeah, one thing with the art school too is we had to we had to act as well. Yeah. Um, you know, that was one of my my minors. I had a major and two minors, and it was one of them was drama. But it's like, you know, I'm just easing in and seeing what happens. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about the auditions is it was people that reached out to me because yeah. uh, one of them for a show that actually is just coming out um they saw me in the, the paper toronto star and they're like wait she would be perfect for this role and the thing is i almost didn't go to the audition because i was like i haven't acted in i don't know since you know elementary school early high school like 
I was really nervous. And then I went and I actually loved doing the audition. I didn't get the role, obviously, but mm -hmm. I loved doing it. Like it was, a, mm. again, a different itch, a different itch to scratch. It felt amazing. So, I mean, we'll see. And, you know, the last project, I didn't like push for the credit, but, um, you know, with the Opia video and that mm. experiment, like I co-directed that. Um, hey, okay. That was my idea. That was my idea, like to have people sit across from each other and, and shoot it like almost like a blend between like a film, like a documentary and a music video. Like I, I, I have these ideas. So this next project, I'm actually going to be, if not directing, co-directing all of the music videos. Wow. So yeah, that's my, that's my plan. Like I want to start opening people up to, to who I am a little bit more. And I feel like me getting behind the camera as well as in front of the camera will help, will help people do that so yeah I, I, I really want to get into some more acting actually yeah now it's hard to predict now um, yeah the trajectory of, of an artist's path but what's your hopes with with your artistry where where do you want to end up do you want to do you want to build like an, an art school do you want to mm -hmm. you know mentor other artists yeah. to a degree do you want is the goal to become the songbird of your generation? Like what's, yeah. what's up there for you? Absolutely all the above. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, um, I used to, uh, many years ago, I used to go to at-risk schools and teach, you know, teach these at-risk youth about music that, you know, even that they're songwriting, like you don't necessarily have to be a singer if you don't want to be like all the things that you could do. And for me, like community is super important. I really do. You, you hit it on the head. Like I want to not necessarily an art school, but just like a, a place where kids can go. So they're not getting in in trouble where they're actually able to learn about real shit. Like yeah. a lot of these programs that are available right now, it's people that are so removed from the actual industry. So you're paying thousands mm. of dollars to go to this place and get contacts that are outdated or that you can go out, you can get yourself. No, I want to be able to get involved with people. any of those after school um, programs that were happening. Yes. Yes, actually. Um, but the problem is, you know, in Scarborough, they would have a couple and then they would close and they would just never reopen them. So me, again, I had to take three hours of on the bus and go to Weston and Lawrence okay. to find a studio. Yeah, Weston and Lawrence from where we were at Morningside. I was at Port Union, actually. So I was yeah. going from Port Union to Weston and Lawrence on the bus just to be able to record and get these programs where like they'd bring people in to come talk to you and you, you you could have an engineer and stuff. So it's like, I feel like they dropped the ball a lot in Scarborough. And I think there's a lot of like key players and, and people now that are just not going to let that keep happening. And like downtown Toronto has initiatives like the Remix Project. And even that, when I went to the Remix Project, I had to commute from Scarborough all the way down to downtown Toronto. There's nothing in the vicinity of Scarborough where you know, you can just go in your community and, yeah. and, and have these things happen. So it, it's very, very important for me. I'd say that's in like the five-year goal, you know, like soon. So, you know, stuff like that, more mentoring. All you said, I want to be the songbird of my generation too, but I also want to start like bulldozing a lot of the shit that's already here. As far as when we keep talking about, oh, infrastructure so high because there's no infrastructure, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get a lot of these old niggas out of here and 
get this shit started because we have way too much talent here. I could open my Instagram right now and hashtag Toronto music and find a superstar, another superstar. Yeah. So we just need to, instead of constantly complaining about what the issues are here, once it is, once it's in our power, we just need to change shit. That's what I plan to do. Yeah. No, that's dope. Now with your, since we're on the topic of like dreaming and and what's next Mm -hmm. in relation to your experimental tastes, who are the first five artists that come to mind that you'd want to work with? Ooh, who would I want to work with? Um, well, the artists I'd want to work with are not that experimental, but they're like already in my genre and amazing. Obviously, okay. like SZA, love me some SZA, love me some Doja, um, Bryson Tiller, hmm. um, Black. Who else? Do you have any favorite artists that are outside of your genre? Outside of my genre. Like hip hop. And then outside of my genre, I love James. Alternative. Yeah, I love, um, yeah, I love James Blake. Hmm. He's hard. He's really, really, I don't even know what genre you categorize him as. It's very like, because he'll have songs with like Travis Scott, but then he'll have like super rock songs. Mm -hmm. Love James Blake. I love how he uses his voice as an instrument. Huh. A lot of the other people are in my genre, you know, but like, I love me some Brandy as well, of yeah. course. Because like, yeah. I, this I don't know. With, um, other artists where I feel like, my opinion, but I feel mm-hmm. like music is all about cross, like going to other genres. Totally. Totally. Collaboration. Yeah. But then that's the thing is like a lot of the times other people just they'll stay in that lane. They'll stay in the, oh, I'm hip hop. I got to stay hip hop. And it's like, yo, if you Mm. if you look at when Jay-Z teamed up with Linkin Park, like magic just happens when you cross genre. Yeah. Right. So it's like I'm curious to know what what's the other genre that you you're aspiring to mix into. Well, See, I can't say too much yet. Oh, I can't say too gotcha. much yet. Fine, but, gotcha. Fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, we got a little, you know, a little bit of rock coming soon with some with some Toronto rock legends. I can say that. Mm. Um, we got a lot of hip hop crossovers on my next project. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, we'll see soon. We'll see. But you know, I'm I'm all for it. I'm all for yeah. it. Like. It's interesting because I, I I just I consult the universe a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll say something that I want to happen, and then if it's supposed to happen, the universe will make it happen. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, yeah. But there's gonna be some <laughs> little rock stuff, Dope. some hip hop, some yeah. R and B, some Caribbean type. There's some stuff coming. Have you accepted Soka in your life yet? Okay, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Because see, you I know you remember that. And, you know, as an adult, I feel like I'm having to fight for my life a lot more when I go somewhere and I'm like, I don't like soca. People are like, what? But I will say, I will say, I played Masks, The Last Carabana. Mm-hmm. And that absolutely changed my perspective on soca. 
I'm not going to lie to you. That's the quote. I that's never the, thought it would happen. <laughs> Imagine. But look, what it is, is like the environment changed it for me. Seeing how it made people feel. People are going down the road just enjoying life, just lit, just wave it's sweating just i was like okay i would just have to be a mean negative patty to not like soca you know what Which i mean so were throughout no no <laughs> lies i was no i was just being very jamaican and only banging on my reggae but i get it i get the soca thing now like mm. is it still am i gonna be like hmm, let me wake up and just put on soca no but I don't hate it. I don't hate it anymore. That's progress. <laughs> now, progress. One thing too that like I'm I'm very big on with this podcast is especially when I'm talking to artists where what's the down been like? Where mm. when you're going through something, when when you wake up and you just don't wanna, you know, do anything music related and your head is just yep. elsewhere how do you turn off how yeah. do you recharge how do you recover well shit i'm still learning mm -hmm. <laughs> but for me what i had to learn especially through this pandemic is to have patience for myself i have to give myself patience because like before that it was like go 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 and then all of a sudden the whole world is uncertain you know, give, give me an so, example of needing to give yourself patience. Well, for a uh, hmm, direct example, let me think. Honestly, right now, you know, like I've I've been in a funk for a little while because one, you know, I'm in Toronto. There's 30 centimeters of snow on the ground. It's been negative 45 outside every day. It's exactly it's. <laughs> um dark so like worse if we're working till 4 a.m let's say i get up at 11 or 12 it's dark by five yeah. so you're getting like four hours of sunlight so for my mental it sucked it has sucked and at the same time like i'm my cycle of releasing music is about to start so there's a lot of things on my back right now like deadlines um songwriting you know who which artists are looking for projects right now so i have to constantly be in a creative swing but how creative are you going to be given all of those things that are going on right now you're not and that's human and that's okay and you know at a different time i would have beat myself up for feeling like shit. but now i know in order for me to be able to even bounce back from these down moments, I have to extend myself some patience and grace and let myself kind of live through these moments, do what makes you happy. Like I discovered, for example, something as simple as like, I like hot chocolate with fucking whipped cream up to the top and marshmallows. And even just seeing that makes me happy. So guess what? I'm going to do it. You know? Yeah. Oh, I got to worry about this. Oh, you got to lose 10 pounds. Fuck it. First of all, right now, everybody's fat. Okay, we've been inside for three years. <laughs> Everybody got a little bit of weight to lose. And if it's going to help me get through the day, I'm going to do what it is that I need to do. So, you know, in, in those moments, I just feel like a lot of times, especially because we're our worst critics, we beat ourselves down further 
than we even need to. If you're already feeling like shit, give yourself the space to do even one thing, one thing that makes you happy, something small, something small. For me, it's hot chocolate. You know, I think. How did you learn this? At what point, like, was the learning curve to understand that you needed to give yourself grace? Um, throughout this time, just throughout the pandemic. So really, that's the last couple of years. Otherwise, I just be like, no, get up, just keep, keep going, keep going. And inside, I'm like empty, like I'm like a shell. I'm just a shell of myself going through the paces. And I realize that's more to my detriment because if I don't let myself just go through it and then, and then naturally, once I feel better, start going into things, I'm extending the downtime because I'm not facing it. I'm not actually dealing with whatever is making me feel this way. Mm -hmm. So in times like this, where it's stuff that's out of our control, which is, you know, shows getting shut down because of COVID, the, the winter, the whatever, it's like you, there's a lot of stuff that you can't control. So then now I got to take that shit in my hands and start to figure out what I like. I like onesies and hot chocolate and, you know, like you got to figure it out. You got to figure it out. So that's, that's just what I've been doing, honestly. And, and, oh yeah, tequila. Yes. I like tequila as well. Tequila is very helpful. All right. (laughs) I did get very helpful. Um, but nah, but nah, yeah, I just been, I've been extending myself grace. And, and the thing is with learning that for myself, it's helped me learn to do that for others. Yeah. Very, very, because, you know, even out of friendships and adult friendships and how things are, it's like you expect the most and no one, it takes, it takes learning patience for yourself for you to sit down and be like, wait, maybe that person's not replying because they're not feeling good. You know, maybe that person isn't themselves because they're overwhelmed right now. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 a an ever an ever flowing process to like figure it out. And we change and we grow. And, you know, I don't know if a couple of months ago that wouldn't have made me happy. Who knows? But it's we just we got to keep being in in tune with ourselves because that's we only have control over ourselves. That's it. So, you know, COVID coming in and completely obliterating like so many industries as it did um i'm curious what's toronto's atmosphere like in terms of its performance venues because a lot of them have been closing so then yeah it's it's sad so what what is an artist to do now in terms of performance spaces where do they where do they tour in toronto Mm. Damn. We kind of just have to wait and see, right? Yeah. Um, the nice thing was, you know, I was my heart was crushed when I heard the mod club was closing. But really was what it was was a new company is owning it and actually renovated it. So it's back as Axis. So but that made closed. me pretty happy. Which close? Lee's Lee's Palace. Isn't that one closed down? I didn't even hear about that one. Yeah, mm. probably then. A bunch of them closed, um, but there's still a couple. There's still like, so my club is back as Axis, the Axis Club. Um, Phoenix is still there. Yeah. Uh, Drake Underground is still there. Um, still and those I would say are, uh, pardon? Opera House still around? Yes. Okay. Opera House is still there. So those are still like the, the emerging, like mid-sized artist level. 
So we're lucky in that regard. And then I think there's a couple, I mean, Drake, I think he's behind history. History just opened, which is like big. That's like 4,000 capacity. Nice. Okay. That just opened. I, I hope it stays open because it, it had, it was like launching when COVID started. So it was like, damn. Hmm. And then, you know, there's like Dan fourth hall, like there's a couple, there's a couple, but I mean, if, I mean, we're seeing now new regulations are supposed to be lifted at the top of March for capacity. So hopefully that means no one else, no more of them have to close because we yeah. cannot afford to lose anything else. Like Toronto starting to look like a ghost town. Yeah. Now, with comedians, they had to transition into online shows. I feel mm-hmm. like musicians have already been in the online market, right? So yep. it's like, that was an easy transition for you then? Um, No, I hate it. Hmm. No, I'm not. I mean, I, I guess, because, you know, sometimes if, if you can't tour then you'll do online stuff. But again, like I was telling you, a lot of musicians, our money even comes from touring, from actually physically being in these spaces. Um, For me, outside of the money, like my favorite and most fulfilling part of making music is performing, like in person, getting to feel people's energy. They get to see you, they're singing lyrics at you. Like there is nothing better than that. So it's sucked. It sucked. It takes... It, it put a wall, like the, it's like a wall in front, like mm. singing to a camera is different than getting to touch people and hug people that support you. It sucks. It sucks. Yeah. But we have made the pivot, like everything, a lot of stuff now is, is online, you know, and, and I get why it's for safety's sake, um, but it sucks. Mm. No, that's fair. Um, Savannah, you have graced me with with all the time that I need, but I do have one more question. Um, okay. And this is in terms of, of your award. Now for acting, like you'll hear stories from the best of the best. And they'll say when they first got their Oscar, like they had the assumption that, all right, now the ball's gonna get rolling, but then nothing mm. happens. What yeah. was it like after your award? Um. Man, it's so, I feel like moments are like so fleeting. Hmm. It's like you think, oh, wow, like this is the, wow, I've gotten a word. And it's like, then it's gone. Hmm. I think that's why you cannot base your joy or your happiness off of moments because they're fleeting. So it's like, it happened. I couldn't even believe it happened. Like I was sitting at the computer, like, like I, it wasn't registering. Yeah. One thing that sucks, I so wish it was in real life. Like if I got to go up on that stage and man, but anyway, yeah, I feel like because of when I got the award, I was already in cycle. I accepted my award in New York. I was in a hotel in New York shooting Spotify. Yeah. So it was like, it never stopped. The ball was just like, but I mean, I don't think like, for example, like you expect, oh, certain opportunities are going to come from the awards. Not, not really. Hmm. Um, but I do think there's a new level of respect that comes awards? from having hundred percent. Yeah. You know, that's like a leading note. Now I'm a Juno award winning artist. And yeah. for me, like, while I don't let that determine anything for me, it was definitely affirming. It was affirming. Like, 
that wasn't even an album. That was my first ever released EP that yeah. got not, you know, two X Juno nom- nominated and one uh, a Juno. So it was like, what is even, I'm, like I'm being seen after being around for so long and, and you start to feel like, you know, you're, when you're not the shiny new toy, is anybody even seeing what's going on? So that was very, very affirming to me. Hmm. There. Um, I know I said that was the last question, but one more question. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shoot. How do you feel the, the industry is now in regards to needing to go to the States to make it before you make it back home? Is that still the very same stigma or is it changing or do you feel like it's changing or what would it take to change that? Great question. It's changing. Hmm. It's in the process of changing because I'm not going to say that you don't have to go to the States. However, the priority of having to go into the States is way lower. Like it's changing because not okay 89% of the producers that are producing all of these songs that are huge in the states are from here they live here yeah right and then we also have a whole bunch of canadian artists the leading artists in the world right now are also from here so i think there's a lot more now that you can get done from here but then for example like when it's time for a press run there's not a lot of canadian press there's even a lot of people in canada mm. so you do still have to go to the states now what could change that not much not much right because even look at what's just happened with flow 93 and g98 they just had to combine because that's that's not anybody's fault and i think that's what people won't necessarily understand is is there a exactly precisely it's like is there a market for urban music if not enough people are turning into urban radio, radio is one of those things that's impartial. It goes by the numbers. It goes by the numbers. So if not enough people are tuning into this 93, then that's what's going to happen. And, and that's nobody's fault because we are the minority. At the end of the day, the people that consume that music versus Z103 and what's the other one? Uh, 92, 99.1 Virgin Radio. There's more bodies that enjoy that so when we talk about it like california um the state has more people in it than canada the country yeah you you know so there's certain things we can't help but the other stuff that we can help is to help support our artists more from here and that's infrastructure based Mm. that's getting all these like you know non-black non-people of color in, in these buildings that don't understand black music out of there, you know, or we're getting, we're getting people around them that can show them what's going on. That's the only way that part changes. So I, I we're, we're in like literally an amazing period right now of what Toronto is already doing and what they're about to continue to do, because I can, on my own, I can name, you know what I'm saying, probably up to 10 artists that are incredible and are on their ascension right now from here. Oh. So psh, Toronto, psh, listen, we, we 
here to stay right now. And it's not just the conversation isn't just going to start with Drake, The Weeknd and Justin Bieber in a couple of years. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's dope. And I, I love the stance and I'm wishing you all the best with with the industry and not just for you, but yeah, for all Toronto artists, because there's so much fucking talent in Toronto. And I just totally. want to see more artistry from Toronto. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just my hope. But um, totally. And and like what you're doing here and in this podcast and, and and you like whenever I put on a show and I'm like, mom, mom, <laughs> it's X. No, I swear. I get so amped. I'm so excited. I'm excited for you. I love to see like, you know, anybody that's been wanting to do something like stay doing it and breaking through these barriers. You know what I mean? It's up to us to do it. And it's up to us to do it for the, you know, the, the, the new ones that are the younger ones that are coming up to see that you can do it and you can, you know what I'm saying? Follow your dreams and and make it. There's a quote where it's like the things you do aren't for yourself, but for the people that come after. And yeah. A thousand percent. And then back to like, us being adults like it's crazy because we're the ones now where it's like people are looking up at us and like oh i want to totally so yeah yeah no it's wild but sav yo appreciate you so much thank you for your time and thank you thank you for having me i'm 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 always good to talk and it's so good to see you yeah no likewise but uh no i can't wait to just kick it again with you hopefully on a red carpet somewhere but no. i'm saying whenever you back in the city you gotta come uh get into some of this over here y'all got y'all gotta find a way to melt your snow first that's that's the thing is like i want to talk about this i want to talk about the snow <laughs> like that's that's the whole purpose of this trip is just like to be in my tiny home but at the same time get away from it like right now yeah, Santa Monica looks nice right now. I don't <laughs> want to see. <laughs> oh, but Miss Savannah Ray, thank you so much for coming out. Everybody, the Two Degrees podcast brought to you by the Play On Foundation. Check out Savannah Ray. Turn your radios on because she's going to be there. Turn them on. But other than that, y'all stay safe and Magina Coyote. <laughs> thank you. Peace. Thank you all for tuning in. Artwork by Monique Lizardo. Music by Cade Cole. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, subscribe, share, tag us, whatever all the fun things people do when they like something. But most importantly, check out www.letsplayon.org for the Play On Foundation and lend your voice in bringing awareness to the neurological research for brain aneurysm detection and prevention. My name's Javi. See you next time on the Two Degrees Podcast.